the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gap, episode 548, take three, for Sunday, April 12th, 2015. And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found. We answer your questions, we share your tips, and we uh, share your cool stuff found, which is actually what we're going to be doing next week. So make sure you get those in. Our sponsors for this episode include Gazelle at gazelle.com, the place where you can sell and buy used Apple, uh, iOS, and Mac laptop devices. We'll tell you more about more about that during the show. Easy for me to say. Also, Linda at lynda.com slash mgg, where you can get 10 days free of their excellent training videos, access to all of it. We will talk more about that during the show here in uh, sunny as we talk, Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here, still in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Ron. We've crossed time zones, John. It's earlier for me than it is for you today. No, it's not. It's the same time. Oh, what? I um, I am out here for, well, for two shows, NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters, and also NMX, which is uh, the first show is one I've never been to before, NAB. Uh, but this year, they decided to have these two shows happen together. And NMX is the evolution of what started as Blog World Expo and then acquired and merged with the uh, podcast and new media expo and became blog world and new media expo and then became, I think just new media expo, maybe in the middle there for one year. And now uh, they've simply shortened it to NMX and the podcasting track this year here in, which also includes the podcast awards and all sorts of other great things. Uh, looks pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty excited about, uh, about what this show has to offer. So uh, I'll of course report back when I get, when I get back next week, but uh but yeah, pretty uh, pretty stoked about it this year. I'm, I'm glad to be here. So that's what's going on with me. And of course, this is show take three because we're doing it on the road. And take two never works, as we've as we've always learned. Right? Okay. Okay. I, How you I don't doing, know if John? It's a hard, hard and fast rule, but <laughs> it's 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 true more often than it's not. I think it doesn't matter, John. How was your week? You uh, you went to a show and collected some cool stuff found of your own, right? Um, cool stuff actually, found in progress. <laughs> uh, no, it actually got got mailed to me. So no, I did I did go. They had um, so the first show of the season, uh, first Pepcom show. Um, saw some interesting things. You know, kept uh, uh, you know, saw some uh vendors like Gazelle. I saw Gazelle there. That was nice. Oh, nice. Um. Yeah, I'll have to dig through my pile of goodies. Um, nothing earth-shattering that's Mac-specific, but um, but a lot of interesting, some interesting things in like the connected home area, which we may talk about more in the future. Yeah, I'm starting to get into that, and I think you are as well. So, um, but yeah, uh, uh, trade show season has obviously started for for both of us now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm going to a Showstoppers event this afternoon, and I always like those. In fact, I oh, changed yeah, yeah. I changed my flights. I paid the uh, the exorbitant change fees to make sure I made it to Showstoppers. Those are always excellent shows. So 
Um, so yeah, we'll collect some cool stuff found. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, for today, though, John, uh, why don't why don't you kick us off here, if you would please, with uh, with this week ten point ten point three came out, and along with it, the Photos app from Apple made its release debut. Of course, it was e- relatively easily available in public beta for a while, but um, but now it's official. It's out. So for those migrating from one Apple solution, either iPhoto or Aperture, to Photos. You found some interesting things this week, John, didn't you? Well, a few interesting things. So uh, so one, of course, you, you can see the update. Um, you know, it came up in, uh, in the App Store. You know, if you go to the App Store and then you look at the Update tab, it'll tell you that there were updates. And they got the word out that it was going to, you know, come out several days ago and everybody was waiting with bated breath. And uh, actually, the, the you know, downloading it wasn't that bad an experience. The the one fish shake that I have is that they still don't reliably link um, to the standalone version, Dave. But um, actually, I think I learned a trick from uh, one of my followers. I can't remember who exactly because he posted the link to the standalone downloader, which a lot of times uh, you get better throughput because everybody's dogpiling using... Uh, uh, the app store um now where may you ask will you see uh apple uh software updates and uh you go to support.apple.com slash downloads and they all appear there um and the trick that i was given was uh so the yosemite ones are there and if you look at them they have uh, like most of the article they have a little uh, uh code for uh you know, so it's support.apple.com slash KB slash and then some two letter four number code. And someone found it before it was posted. And I'm like, how'd you find it? And he's like, well, you know, the numbers kind of go in series. So <laughs> so one is DL1804 and I think the other one is DL1805. So I would imagine the next major one is going to be DL1806. So that's a little trick for uh, people if they do want to get to the uh, direct download page for the updates before Apple uh, links to it. So um, the thing with 10.3, I mean, there's a lot, you know, they fix a lot of things in 10.3, but the big thing is the uh, official release of photos. And I just wanted to point to one thing here. So I dove in and I'm starting to look at photos, but I'm looking at um, it in parallel. Now, what do I mean by that? So the thing is, when you open photos, it, it, at some point it's going to say to you, um, yeah, uh, which library would you like to migrate over? And uh, in my case, I have a, a small iPhoto library just, you know, for support's sake, but I don't really use it. And all of my stuff is in Aperture. So I said, OK, you know, take that Aperture library and, um, you know, migrate uh, all the stuff that's in there over to Photos. And it took a good long time. I think I went out, you know, did some shopping and stuff and came back. Uh, so, yeah, it'll take a while if you have, uh, I think I have 150 gigabytes of photos from uh, over a decade. And um, here's the interesting thing, though. And I think the best thing that explains it, so it's funny, is after the migration occurred, Dave, I'm like, oh, man, you know, let me check my hard drive space. And I looked at my hard drive space, and it did not uh, decrease. How is that possible, you ask? Oh, interesting. Yeah, see, I haven't done that migration that way yet. So it's, point, it's just pointing to the other copy of, of photos. That's really smart. Right. So so the thing is, you still have two standalone library files. So after the, the migration is complete, you will still have your Aperture library file, but you will also have a Photos library. Does it give you a warning not to delete your old Aperture library file? 
No, because you don't need the, you. It's not necessary. The now, warning. The warning may, isn't necessary. Correct. But are they doing? As far as I can are they tell, using no. hard hard links between the two? So if you delete one, ah, you beat, the yes, file you stays. Beat okay. Too. Well, I mean that's how Time Machine works, right? It's the same general Correct. concept. Okay. Hey, that's really smart. So there's sort a well article. It's sort, sort of, of smart. Right. right. So the article that that tells you about this. Um, so our friend uh, Jason Snell and friends at Six Colors actually did a little article, which we'll link to. But it, the title of the article is "The Hard Link Between Photos and iPhoto." And yeah, that's exactly what they do. Yeah, you pointed out correctly. Um, so it doesn't take up any physical uh, additional physical space in that you won't lose. Like I didn't lose 150 gigs. It kind of looks like you did because, again, then you'll see two libraries that they're, you know, the same size. And it's like, how is this possible? Right. Now, what happens if you want to then use photos, but you want to continue to use Aperture? And this is what I thought was interesting. I well, just Hank, want to tell people about this. Let, let, me, let me point something out, though. Um, it's great that Apple's doing it this way because the obvious benefit is you have the you basically have the the files in two places without having two copies of them. And really what it is, is it's um, it, the way a hard, a real hard link works is the there's ba there's two directory entries that point to exactly the same file. It's not an alias. An alias points to another directory entry. A hard link points to the actual location of the file. And it, it's just a duplicate directory entry. This is probably, it's not exactly correct, but that's, that's a good way to think about it. Um, and when you remove one, the disc doesn't show that space is available because something else is pointing to it. The only problem is, as has been explained to me by folks at Apple that work on the file systems there is that HFS plus does not actually support hard links. Hard links were a bolt-on to the file system so that it could support the construct because it's normally a um, it, it's a it's a it's a normal thing in in most uh, Unix file systems. So they bolted it on, but it's actually stored. Everything is stored in a text file, so or something akin to a text file. So it's entirely possible for this to completely crater and have a huge problem, but. Um, but it's surprisingly, we have seen very little of that, even with Time Machine, which uses it wild, way more than, than photos and, and all that stuff we're ever going to. So, But it shouldn't matter. To answer your question, John, right? Does it, it, if, you have, if you add a file, it doesn't well, matter, right? Well, no. Well, here's, I'll just read you the dialogue that they present to you. Okay. Sorry, right. even better. Once you do the migration, uh, the two are independent. They're related, but they're independent from that point forward. And they warn you about this, because if you then, and I'm going to be doing this, so my experiment is that I'm going to be trying um, to import a few libraries and all that uh, into both environments to see how uh, how the experience compares, right? So that's that's what I'm going to do. Uh, you know, and if I don't like photos, I can get rid of it and still have, you know, have my old data there. But it warns you, uh, because once you've done the migration and you try to open your Aperture library again, it says the content of this Aperture library already has been migrated to the Photos app. The library can be opened in Aperture, but any changes, including importing new photos, will not appear in Photos library. So I'm just glad that they tell you that. And then you get three choices. You get open photos, open library in Aperture, or quit. Oh, that so, makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Just okay. want to give people a heads up that yeah. if you do the migration and then you want to use both libraries, 
it's going to be separate. And that the changes will not, from that point forward, as they're saying, the changes will not, you're taking two separate paths. And I just want to make people people aware of that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That may, and that makes sense because it all it's doing, the, the uh, migration, which is probably a better term than an import, right? The migration is creating all these hard links once, but it's not constantly updating itself. Nor, Correct. Nor would you, I mean, that would be a bear for anything automated to manage so yeah okay that makes sense right hey that's awesome, the whole thing man. i'm going to say is when you first open photos and i got a fish shake at apple because they pulled the same thing with itunes in the past dave is when you first open photos you're probably going to be totally lost because you have no context of what you're looking at so one tip for people go to the view menu and say show sidebar you will feel much much better because you're gonna see <laughs> All of the things that you saw in the aperture sidebar. If you choose to display things like that, which I think most people do, and it'll show you your albums and your projects and all the stuff that migrated over, and then you'll get a warm fuzzy that, that things are not that different. Otherwise, it kind of throws you for a loop because you're like, where, where am I? What, what, what do I do to navigate? So That makes sense. Yeah, totally. <sighs> That's pretty cool, man. Pretty good. So, I mean, for the most part now, you know, I... Well, we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll continue to give feedback. I mean, it, uh, I, I'm not a big, you know, heavy photo workflow type of guy here. Is I just use it to organize my photos and do some minor touch-up. And I think from what I've heard from most people, photos will be fine for that. But if you're in a heavy-duty uh, workflow or uh, doing lots of modifications and, and sorting and tagging and stuff like that, it may not be for you, but I'll, I'll see. Well, that's awesome, man. Nice find. The good digging. Oh, that's great. Hey, I want to talk about Gazelle at gazelle.com. Gazelle, uh, they've been sponsors for a long time. So those of you that know Mac Geekab uh, and have been listening for a while know about Gazelle. But I want to tell you anyway, because there's some different things that they do now. Um, we all know Gazelle, most of us anyway, know Gazelle as the company that will buy back your electronics uh, and make the process super easy. And, and it's really a fantastic service that they offer because what you do is you visit their website and you uh, immediately start narrowing down what your what your product is, right? You, you start uh, saying, okay, well, is it an iPhone? Is it an iPad? Is it a laptop? And then ask me about the specs, right? You know, how much uh, storage does it have? What condition is it in? What model is it, right? All of that stuff. And then they give you a price. And if you like the price... Then they give you a label and optionally even ship you a box. All of this is on their dime, right? The label, everything. And, uh, and so you ship your device to them. And it, the boxes come with perfect packaging and everything. You don't have to stress about how am I going to you know, do this where it's going to be safe in shipping and all of that stuff. Well, then you ship it off to them. They open the box. They make sure that what's in there is what you said was going to be in there. And they send you your money. It's that simple. No money leaves your hands, not even for you know a nominal shipping charge. They cover all of it, and they make it really easy, and they give you, a, they give you some time, usually at least 30 days, right? So you go today, you, you lock in your price. Your price doesn't change as long as what you send them is what you said you were going to send them, and the condition hasn't changed or anything like that. And, uh, and then you got 30 days. 30 days to make up your mind and, and ship it off to them or maybe get your data off it and all of that. So it makes perfect sense. If you've got something that you think you're going to sell, go do it today. Lock in your price. You've got a month 
to make sure it's what you think it's going to make sure you get all your stuff off of it. Make sure you've, you know, made the decision you want to make off. It goes Their UI is awesome. Their customer service is absolutely stellar. We get tons of reports from you folks about how, just how great they are. Now for most of the stuff that they buy, they wholesale it out. And that makes sense. That's a good business model and makes a lot of sense for them. But sometimes they get stuff in that's in really good condition. And they would hate to wholesale that out. So what they do is they'll sell that to you. So if you're looking for an unlocked iPhone, if you're looking for an older laptop sometimes, depends on what inventory they have available, but they do have some great stuff for sale too. And you can check it all out at gazelle.com. You get great prices. You know that this stuff's been through qualified hands. Highly recommended. Um, and we're very happy to have them as a sponsor. It's great. We're very fortunate here to have sponsors that uh, that not only are good people, but are companies that uh, that we can recommend. And Gazelle falls squarely in that group. Uh, so check them out, gazelle.com. And they would love to uh, love to hear from you. And when you're checking out, they'll ask you where you heard about them. There's a little drop down there with Mac Geekab in it. Let them know. We would certainly appreciate that. So gazelle.com, check them out. And John, I believe that brings us to Simon, oh. right? Well, one one I, I yeah, just want to make, mention a few final things. Oh, yeah, I saw yeah. some of the uh, discussion here in our chat room, which uh, how can you get to our chat room? Um, I'm going to tell you, Dave, you go to www.mackygab.com dot com slash stream and you can hear us and you can also uh type back and forth with us but um a few, a few other things to bring up here so number one dave i decided not to put my photo library in the cloud now this is a feature that apple's been touting and for some it it, it it's maybe the way you want to do it i don't Fair enough. Mainly because I have 150 gigabytes of photos right yeah you need to buy quite a bit of cloud storage from apple to do that yep so I am using, uh, but I do still have, so, so I've got kind of a hybrid setup, but I am still using PhotoStream on my iOS device. And um, photos will consume your PhotoStream. So I can still see my PhotoStream photos in, in uh, well, Aperture was able to do this as well. I can still see my PhotoStream in photos. The only thing that it seems that they don't provide anymore is that Aperture would also on a monthly basis create a project called, you know, like April 2015 photo stream. And then it would save that. And then when the next month came around, it would create another project, which are next month's photo stream. As far as I can see, photos does not do that anymore. Again, it maintains a a photo stream project, but you would have, it looks like you would have to manually copy your photos from the photo stream before they disappear. If you want to maintain them in your photos library. So, um, and that's all I have to say about that for now. But but just wanted to mention that. Yeah, no. Because uh, a lot of people are saying, hey, uh, you know, either I got way too many photos, I got to think about this, or I'm just not going to do it. And and I'll have to see if I ever am going to put all my photos on the cloud. I, I don't think I will. Right, right. Oh, that, that makes good sense. Thanks for following up, man. So Simon wrote us, we've actually been going back and forth a little bit with Simon. Simon had a problem with his Apple TV uh, where it would not reliably stream YouTube or Netflix videos or really anything. And uh, so we sent him to our favorite fix, which is from uh, Allison Sheridan over there at the NoSillaCast podcast at her Podfeet blog. And we'll put a link in the show notes to the instructions on how to reset your Apple TV to fix this. 
that we've talked about it before. It, it involves holding down the menu button on the remote and the down arrow simultaneously for six seconds. And then when you release it reboots. And for some reason that magically fixes this problem that uh, a, a normal reboot or even power cycle doesn't fix. And that was true for Simon. It got way better, but it wasn't perfect for him. He was still having cutouts maybe every fourth time instead of every time. And he said, uh, he said, ideally, he said, I think there might be something going on with my internet connection dropping out. He said, ideally, I would like to get a connection log, maybe with error messages, uh, so that I can beat up my ISP with the facts. And whether you're going to beat them up or not, it, it is super helpful when you call your ISP or, or use chat uh, to, to talk to them if you have some specific details, because it obviously helps them troubleshoot as well. My advice is that, well, I mean, there's lots of things that we can do here and we should talk about it, John, but uh, the simplest way and what where I would actually start myself is open up a terminal window on one of your Macs and just type ping and with a, and then a space and then www.apple.com and hit enter. What this will do, and it will never stop until you tell it to, and you tell it to stop by holding down control and hitting C, this will start sending what are called pings or echo requests to Apple server and Apple servers seem to be able to take this just fine. So uh, it sends a, 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 a signal out and Apple server sends a signal back and it will just keep doing this over and over and over again, once per second. What's handy is when you see an outage on your Mac or on your Apple TV, go look at your Mac and see if there's a gap in the ping logs. This will tell you if there is a widespread internet connection issue or if there's something specific, again, about your Apple TV that is not impacted by uh, an uh, internet connection issue. So that's a good place to start and will definitely give you some, uh, you know, a, a, a something to tell the folks at your uh, your ISP about what you're seeing. And, and, and maybe it is, maybe it's a flaky Apple TV. Maybe you do have uh, sporadic outages and this will answer that question in a fairly easy way. There's other kind of, I guess, more elegant ways, but part of elegance is simplicity. And this, it doesn't get much simpler than this. You don't really get logs, but you do. I mean, you, you, you can look back in time and, and see when the outages were. So that, that's my first thought on that, John, you have any, I want to enhance that thought and then add, a few more. So one, you could certainly run ping on a continuous basis. So one thing you may want to do is you may want to change the frequency at which it happens. So the default is one second. Yeah. Now, how do you learn how to change the frequency at which a ping happens? Well, if you go in the terminal and you type man, which is a manual page, space, and then ping, it'll give you all the options. And I found the one here. Actually, there's a boatload of them. And the one that affects the uh, frequency at which it happens is dash I. Yep. Space, and then wait. And this will be the number of seconds between sending each ping. So you may want to, if you're going to be running it on a, on a constantly, you may want to not run it every second. I mean, you, you uh, still can. I would, I would disagree. Well, I, I mean, I, I see what you're going at. You're, you're limiting the amount Excuse of network. Me. You're limiting the amount of network traffic. Uh, but it, in this case, I actually like the, the one second interval because it gives you a uh there's 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 no gap right if you're doing it every 10 seconds you might have a gap that paint your ping logs aren't going to show and it doesn't it's really not that much traffic going in and out uh for a ping so i you know but 
you're, you're right. You can change the interval. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And then the other thing is if you want uh, evidence, you could pipe it or redirect it to a text file. You won't see what's happening, but if you suspect that something terrible did happen, you could then look at the, uh, the resulting file, right? Yes. So, for example, I just did ping space www.apple.com space uh, greater than, which uh, should send the output to a file. Is that right? It seemed to work. Yes, it did. Yeah, okay. that should work. Yeah. You won't see it, though. Uh, right. Now, there may going. be a way. And I don't, uh, yeah, I don't, don't off the top of my head know how to echo that both to the screen and redirect it. So maybe. Uh, but you do bring up a good point, John. What, what you should do is go into your terminal, you know, once you've got terminal open, go to the terminal menu at the top of the screen, go down to preferences, and then in here, go to profiles, and then go to whatever one is selected as your default. Uh, and I think it will automatically be selected, but it'll say default underneath it. And then go to uh, the window uh, tab in there. So that's terminal, preferences, profiles, default, window. I realize it's a bit of a uh, convoluted path. At the bottom of that preference uh, pane there is scroll back and you can limit the number of rows in scroll back or you can just limit to available memory. Set it to limit to available memory so that you'll have as far back in, in your uh, scroll back of your terminal window as you possibly can because if it's going to take a while you might you know you might miss something. So yeah good stuff. I don't know if anybody right. else uh, in the chat room has any has any splendid ideas about this. I mean, there's there's certainly oh, lots, of, lots of network tools. I got tools. more. Yeah, I'm sure. Go ahead. Um, I found one here that I haven't tried yet, Dave, but it seems pretty affordable. Um, and it's called Peak Hour App. Have you ever heard of this? Nope. I was just surfing today. So Peak Hour App. Beautiful network band monitoring and reporting for Mac OS X. Okay. Sounds good to me, and I think it's like under 10 bucks, and I... I I think you can even get a free trial. Let's see. Try free for 10 days. You know what? I have a better idea, John. Yeah? I use the terminal all the time, so it's the first thing I think of. But Apple does yeah. include a graphical version of the uh, ability to send pings, and it's called Network Utility. And it's right there oh, on your Mac right. in Applications Utilities. The third tab over is ping. And you'd put in www.apple.com, and then you'd, <clears throat> pardon me, you say send an unlimited number of pings and say ping. That's going to be much easier than dealing with the terminal. Uh, unless you're comfortable with the terminal, and then the terminal is very easy. It's not a scary place, but uh, but if you haven't been there before, maybe this tool is easier. And then you can copy the you know the, the results out of here and save them to a file and all of that good stuff. Yeah. But no, this app looks good, and it looks like they, uh, they've, they've been updating it for uh, Yosemite and all that great stuff. Um, and I also found reference there are actually some uh, services that for free will uh, will ping you from afar and will keep track of the uh, ping history. I found one called um, pingdom.com. All right. They have a free service. So if you know your public IP, which uh, you should, um, I'm going to give this a try too. And it looks like it's free. So, Sweet. Uh, your router may or may not respond to public pings, so this may or may not work well for you, but, uh, but it's worth a shot. And if you don't know your public IP, the Pingdom website might be able to figure it out for you. And if they can't, just type in IP into a Google search, and it will tell you what your IP address is. 
Yeah. Or what is my IP? I guess is is uh, the guys have been doing this forever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or right, so that menus tells you, of course. Of course. Yeah. That's um, right. An- that's right. Another thing is you may want to make sure so the airport can yell at you if if it detects that things are going wrong. And I, I just want to point people towards this. I I don't know if it's enabled by default. So if you click on a base station. And then you click on preferences, you're going to see an airport utility uh, partway down a little checkbox, monitor airport base station for problems. And there's a little checkbox. And I think I've actually seen this. I think if you check that, then it'll enable something on the Mac called, I think it's like airport, uh, I think it's in login items. But what will happen is if, uh, and I've had this happen, is when my ISP goes down, I'll all of a sudden get an alert on on my computer saying, yeah, something's wrong with, uh, with the connection. Can you uh, check it out, please? Typically, you can't find a DNS or something like that, but that's usually because your connection's broken. <laughs> so, uh, so that's another thing uh, that you may be able to, to get a heads up on when your uh, service is down. Yeah, airport base station agent uh, will run in your login items, and I think that's part of the... It enables a conversation with your airport when it detects that something's not right. Very cool. That's great, man. Uh oh, I lost my uh, my Jot Mini. Okay, here it is. Okay, this is the best. I, I know I've talked about this before on the show, but I love this thing. the uh, The Jot Pro, I guess, and Jot Mini are the styluses that I use with my iPad to scratch off stuff on our our show notes and all that. And I've been using all kinds of styluses for many years uh, to do exactly this every week. And this is the best one. There's uh, there's no comparison between these and, and everything else I've tried. So there you go. If you need a stylus, and most of us probably don't, but if you do, this is the one. All right. Uh, let's, let's see. Where are we here on time, John? I'm not in my normal environment, as you know. Uh, let's take a look at what Peer has to say, if I can get us there. And uh, I think this is another one that's going to send us to the terminal, John. Peer writes and says, as I buy time, uh, yesterday I did something stupid. I installed some AT&T drivers for a Wi-Fi modem on my 2013 MacBook Pro Retina. After the required reboot, it does not get past the progress bar on my colored background. Yes, File Vault 2 is enabled, so immediately after the boot chime, I get to enter my password. Then the progress bar starts and goes halfway. I have tried and tried to no avail. Safe boot is, as far as I know, not an option. I can enter the mode where disk utility is available, but it finds nothing wrong. Please help. How do I once again get access to my Mac? Yeah, so what's happening here is your Mac is trying to load a driver that uh, probably isn't built for your OS version, and then it dies. And that driver's uh, in extensions, right? That's where where we're going to... That's where we're going to go here. So you, in this case, Pierre, you're pretty sure you know what the offender is or um, at, at least where it came from. But if you didn't, you could hold down option, uh, did I say option? Command V on boot to see what the error is. Uh, normally when, when you boot OS 10, you see the little progress bar cooking across there. That progress bar is there just to let you know that things are happening, but uh, it doesn't tell you what's happening. Command V puts you in verbose mode, 
it eschews the gray screen with a progress bar for a far geekier display of all of the little things that are loading. It tells you what hard drives it's found. It tells you all the hardware. It tells you what drivers are loading. And you can see when it just stops, chances are the thing that loaded just before that is the offender. But in your case, Pierre, you know what it is. You probably don't need to do command V, but it might be helpful if, uh, if other methods to, uh, to suss this out don't work. What I would say is hold down command S that's going to put you into single user mode. Uh, once you, and that will give you a terminal command. So here we are yet again, recommending the terminal. And this time I don't have an easy GUI for you, but I do have an idea if you don't want to have to mess with the, uh, with the terminal, um, and dig around, uh, you're going to have to change. Uh, first, you're going to have to follow the command to put the system into read-write mode. It is literally right above your cursor when you launch in single-user mode. So I don't need to send you a screenshot. I don't need to type it out. Apple does that for you. So you put your hard drive into read-write mode and then change to most likely the slash library slash extensions folder. And you do that by saying CD space, for CD for change directory, slash library with a capital L slash extensions with an E uh, and the only space being between CD and the first slash in there. LS will let you list the uh, contents of that directory. And perhaps in there you will find the AT&T driver. It probably is something like com.att. You know, modem driver, yada, yada, yada. And RM is the command to remove that. You do need to tread carefully here uh, because you don't want to remove the wrong thing, but you do want to remove the right thing. So that's, um, that's where I would go with that. If you don't want to have to dig around um, in the terminal, I'm trying to think, John, booting into recovery mode isn't going to help because we don't have a finder in recovery mode. Isn't that right? Uh, I think you get terminal, right? You get terminal, right. So you're going to get terminal either way. That's right. Uh, But I don't think you get a finder in recovery mode. So you could boot from another Mac and maybe put yours into, and I'm looking at what model it is. uh, You could, you could put it into, uh, uh, what's it called? The uh, uh, target disc mode, Thunderbolt target disc mode, which I believe and I can't look anything up because otherwise then that's when you hear John's signal go all crackly. But um, because you can't run uh, a web browser when you're using a USB audio device. Hey, there's mine going crackly too. Uh, you can't use a web browser when you use a USB audio device, which is what I'm using, uh, in, uh, in low latency mode as we have found and why we have moved back to Firewire in the main studio. But uh, I believe that's Command T. Somebody in the chat room, John, or you will, uh, will correct me there. But that'll put you into Thunderbolt target disk mode and then you can plug a thunderbolt cable between two macs and then you can mount your hard drive you'll have to type in your hard drive's password because it's encrypted but then you could dig around and and just find that um in the finder and and delete that file and once you delete that that should deal with it it's not an it's a it, it the solution is relatively straightforward but it's not the easiest thing to do because of uh, the fact that you can't boot your Mac into uh, a GUI with the Finder. But that should be able to solve it for you, Pierre. And for anybody else dealing with something like this, again, doing Command-V on boot will show you what uh, what drivers are loading. So just the T key is what uh, Furby's in the chat room is saying. So we don't need Command, but probably wouldn't hurt. 
But uh, it sounds like the Tiki is your answer. Any more thoughts on that, John? No, it surprises me because I, I was doing some work with another driver, and typically the OS has a list of old drivers that are going to cause hangups and crashes and stuff and excludes them, but I guess, uh, I guess this one was uh, missed that list. I'll have to go into detail. I think you remember it was this uh, OS X uh, smart extension driver, and I was having uh, adventures with that, not working and then working, and I was like, why isn't it working? And, and There's buried in the OS a huge list of uh, drivers where it will allow them to run if they don't have a signature and all of this stuff, but it also has an explicit list of drivers that it will just refuse to load because it knows that they, they wreak havoc. <laughs> right. Uh, right. You should oh, send this true. one to Apple, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that, that they have that we're not going to load this no matter what you try to do list. Yeah, and this, you know, as, as, um, as, as Will Run for Fun in the chat room says, this is an excellent argument for having a clone drive uh, on your Mac. Not only do you have a backup, but you also have an easy way to boot that can then mount your uh, your existing drive and easily troubleshoot. So, yeah. In fact, I even travel with a clone drive now, John. I use this uh, Lassie rugged SSD, and uh, and I I clone to it. Uh, not all the time, maybe once a month from my laptop. But at least I have a clone that I know will boot my Mac while I'm traveling, uh, which can you know. I'm sure someday it'll save me. Probably one of those days where I'm at WWDC and I decide to install, you know, some alpha version of a new operating system and have it totally fail on me. But, you know, that's how I roll. Lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash, whoa, that's me on the microphone, slash M-G-G is where you can go to get 10 free days of Linda's awesome awesome training videos and they are our second sponsor for this show i've used some of these training videos i've learned things i actually learned some some more shell scripting stuff i took a uh, a bash shell scripting course with it i also took an accounting course i've been doing accounting for my own businesses for years and uh, figured it wouldn't hurt me to take a couple of hours and make sure that it, uh, i'm not missing anything and you know what I was missing some things. Thankfully, nothing that you know put me on the wrong side of the law, but uh, but some things that probably cost me some money at times and now won't. Uh, it really helps, you know. Just taking courses. I, we've we've recounted stories of listeners who have gone through and and used nothing but Linda as the source for changing their skill set, so that or not changing, adding to their skill sets, so that they could change careers. And it's really fantastic. We've got uh, listener Dave is in the in the web design business now, and all of that is because of Linda. He spent the last year going through, and we've got other stories like that too. It, it Linda really does a fantastic job. Their video training courses, depending on the subject matter of the course, sometimes you're watching a teacher lecture, sometimes you're watching a computer screen, or like with the accounting course, you're you're watching a computer screen that's in you know a spreadsheet and learning how those different things work, or looking at different charts and learning different uh, constructs to apply. It it's like being in the classroom, except because you don't have you know ten or even a hundred other students in the classroom, you can tell the teacher stop. And when you stop, then you can dig around with stuff and play a little bit, which is super helpful 
really for anything, but uh, especially if you're learning some programming thing and you're like, whoa, 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 hang on, let me get that. Okay, great. Now let's move on. Really makes a difference. This is the future of education, folks. Uh, you know, I really, I, I find that these, these well-produced, I call them bite-sized. I mean, you know, some of them are several hours long and that's okay, uh, but you can consume them and, and learn in bite-sized chunks. You don't have to sit down for the full, whatever, two, four hours of a course. You can, every course is broken up into chapters and you can even tell it to stop at the end of each chapter so that you don't feel overwhelmed. And that way you're really absorbing the information. You're not forced to go to some lecture at a time where maybe you're exhausted. Maybe you're not feeling well, but by golly, I got to go to class because otherwise I'm going to miss what, uh, what the professor has to say. No, you don't have to. You do this on your time when it's exactly the right time for you to learn. If you're listening to podcasts, you understand the benefit of learning or having entertainment at your fingertips when you want it with a play button and a pause button. You can pause us here anytime you want. And the same is true for Linda. And especially if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you like to learn things. That's what John and I do here. So Linda is a perfect fit for you. You got to check it out. And the best part is you can check it out for free. You get full access to everything, over 2,000 videos in Linda's library. And these are 2,000 current videos. They expire stuff that's not current and relevant anymore. So go check it out. Lynda.com slash MGG. That's L Y N D a.com slash MGG. And uh, that'll get you your 10 free days. And after that it's 25 bucks. No, not 25 bucks a video. No, not 25 bucks a week. It's 25 bucks a month. I don't know where you're going to learn stuff for less than that. Check it out. They're really top notch videos that they put together there. And the point is, they will train you. I guarantee it. Tell us what you've learned. We'd love to hear about it. Tweet us at MacGeekGab or send us an email, feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Let us know. And, uh, of course, it's Linda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash M-G-G. All right, John. I think it's time to go to Diane, right? Uh-oh. I think I lost John. So I'm going uh, to pause here and we'll see if we get him back. And John is back. So, John, I, I finished up the Linda spot. Thanks to Linda, lynda.com slash MGG. And now we will head over and see what Diane has to say. This is certainly, I believe this episode will be successful. You folks at home, if you're hearing this, you know that it was. But uh, it's certainly not going smoothly. But, uh, but that we kind of knew that going in. And, of course, as more people wake up here and it's about 8.30 a.m. now uh, Pacific time, perhaps the Internet connection in our uh, or in my hotel uh, here at the Westgate is not uh, is not behaving properly, although the stream seems to be working. So who knows? Maybe it was your Skype connection that died, John. Who Never knows? Know. Who knows? We'll never know. Uh, let's see. Diane writes. I have a Western Digital 2-terabyte USB spinner drive, imaginatively, imaginatively named <laughs> backup drive. My mouth's still not working. That's used as a backup for non-critical data. For the last couple of months, uh, two or three times a day, I receive a, follow, a notification that pops up and says, disk not ejected properly. And then OS X warns me that I need to eject the backup drive before disconnecting it or turning it off. Of course, when I look, Says Diane, the drive shows as connected in the finder. I take the warning as notice that the drive is on death row and the appeals have not 
have about run out. Uh, the only pain point for me is when the drive inevitably dies and doesn't come back. Uh, we'll be identifying all that non-contiguous, non-critical data, then moving that to a new drive. If you think the executioner is hooking up the chair, I'll be proactive. Otherwise, I'd prefer to let it coast for a bit. Well, that's quite the uh, quite the vision this morning, but uh, but we'll we'll take it in stride. Um, yeah, I I so something is going bad. It's either the drive itself, or the enclosure. Or the cable, or I, I guess if we're going to be fair, the USB port on your Mac, right? It's got to be one of those four things, at least one. It's possible. There's more than one. If you had some kind of a power spike in, the, in there somewhere, it can fry more than one thing simultaneously. I would test with a new USB cable first because that's the cheapest and easiest thing to try. If that doesn't do it, at that point, um, I'd probably replace the drive. You could try plugging it into a different USB port on your Mac. Uh, but my guess is that's not what's going on here. My guess is it's either the enclosure or the drive, but try a different USB cable. It's very easy to do that. Once you've uh, determined that, you could try to crack open the enclosure and move the drive to another one and then go about troubleshooting with a new drive in the old enclosure or the old drive in a new enclosure. That may or if you've got all that stuff around, uh, then that's easy to do. If you don't have all that stuff around, it starts to become very costly and inefficient to troubleshoot that way, unless you want to accumulate some of that stuff for the sole purpose of troubleshooting uh, now and in the future. But if the cable doesn't solve it and plugging it into a different port on your Mac doesn't solve it, I'd say replace the drive and uh, get the data over there uh, and off of that as quickly as possible. Thoughts, John? No, you covered it. This is the message that you see if you uh, yank a drive without ejecting it. So right. yeah, uh, connectivity or power issue uh, would also be my best guess. That's true. Um, it could be a power issue with the uh, with the enclosure too. That's right. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see. We have well, we have two follow ups on the. Uh, guy last week that had i think it was last week but we talked about a listener that had a slow browser uh the 10 second delay in uh in safari and so we have two uh two things to follow up with and maybe one more in the chat room i've got to look here but uh graham uh wrote in and said a delay on the web browser loading may be caused by third-party software getting in the way uh either antivirus or adware that is redirecting requests. Try Adware Medic to check for Adware. And and yeah, somebody was saying that in the chat room last week. I missed it uh, in the flow of things. So that's definitely one place to check. Uh, John, you have you have another one uh, from the uh, I think from the listener himself, or or maybe from from someone yes. else. Yes. Okay. So uh, Anthony uh, replied and said he thinks he found it, which is awesome. So. Uh, so via the Twitters, he, uh, you know, he sent a, a message to Mac Ecab, and he said uh, he used my recommendation of using Private Eye, which is a utility that will monitor your incoming and outgoing network connections. And he found something in the middle of, uh, uh, I guess uh, he didn't send a screenshot, but he, uh, you know, found something in the middle of his Safari conversation called BZ Transmit. What's that, you ask? Well, if you do a little surfing, you can find that that is the backblaze process. 
Backblaze being some backup software that uh, can potentially take up network bandwidth or network sockets or network connections. So he said, I paused the Backblaze backup. Safari sped up dramatically, restarted the backup. Safari slowed down again. Now, the thing is, uh, so I directed him. So there is actually a way to tweak Backblaze. So I'm not going to shake my fist at them quite yet, Dave. Okay. But um, it is possible to tweak Backblaze settings. And I found a, a link to uh, one of their uh, help articles. And they basically say, yeah, you can, uh, you can change the performance of our solution. And I guess you can set it where, uh, well, it has a little checkbox, automatically throttle, or I guess you can manually throttle it. Uh, and that's all I'm going to offer, that they have a way for you to uh, limit uh, the bandwidth that it uses. So maybe it's in a mode right now where it's just sucking down all your bandwidth and anything else that wants to get on the network is going to run slow as well. And uh, Safari is the, the one that you, you notice it the most. You probably won't notice it with email and stuff like that, right? No, yeah, not as much. That's right. Yeah, because you're not. it's not a, as much of a real-time kind of kind of thing I, I i will point out one other thing we had a listener write in and i i guess i didn't log it here but um when you see that and i know anthony's problem is all set but when you see that 10 second delay uh in any sort of network activity most commonly i would even say and, and we didn't think about this last week is that you have os 10 searching for a proxy server for that connection uh, you can check your proxy settings and you probably, unless you know that you need a proxy server, a proxy server being instead of you talking directly to the web server or email server or whatever it is that you're going to talk to, you talk to an intermediary that then negotiates the transaction on your behalf. So if uh, if you want to see what your proxy settings are, you can, you can dig in the network system preference pane, but honestly, the easiest way to get there is to go to Safari, Preferences, Advanced, and click on the change settings button next to proxies. And out here, nothing should be checked unless you know specifically that something should be checked. And then, of course, it should be. But uh, but if you had auto proxy discovery or automatic proxy configuration checked, that can easily be the cause or the source of a 10-second lag when Safari is going to do something, it's waiting, it's trying to find the proxy, it gives up, and then it negotiates the, tran- the uh, transaction directly. So just bear that in mind if, uh, if, the, if, if you see that, too. It's just another place to check. So. Good, of course, good, last thing good stuff. that didn't yeah, occur ahead. to me is uh, try a different browser. Yeah, we mentioned that I've last had, week. Yeah. Oh, did we? Okay. We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I've had some pages that don't work in Safari, but they work great in Firefox or Chrome. I, I think right. would be your three major contenders these days. I believe, I know Firefox has its own proxy settings. I can't remember if Chrome does or not, or if it just inherits the system-wide uh, settings. But I know with Firefox, you can definitely tell it, hey, you know, go and use this proxy if uh, if you want. So, All right, John. Well, um I feel like we well there's one actually one thing I want to uh to mention but otherwise I kind of feel like we should we should hedge our bets here and not push the <laughs> the bandwidth gods too much further um but I do want to talk about back I believe at least two shows ago John we discussed uh AFP Apple File Protocol 
an SMB, which is a system, somebody will tell me what that is. Um, system messaging blocks? Server, server message block? Or yeah, something, something like that. that. So AFP is Apple's uh, protocol for sharing files, and, and it's their older one, or it, it's, it's the one they developed years and years ago. And then SMB was what was most common on Windows, and then SMB2 is the replacement of that. And I think there's even SMB3 floating out there. But as of Mavericks, when you're connecting two Macs together, they will use SMB2 uh, as long as both of them support it because it's a more efficient protocol than AFP. AFP is uh, in networking circles referred to as a very chatty protocol. So uh, it is it it smb is it tends to be more efficient and we talked about this and uh and and talked about it in terms of synology because you, we realized that you didn't have smb enabled on your synology and and so you weren't connecting that way and we got a lot of uh we had a lot of discussion with with many of you on twitter uh, via email uh, everywhere about this and and there's a couple of things we need to walk back some of this a little bit. Yes, SMB is better when both support it in most cases, but uh, for Time Machine, you almost certainly don't want to be using SMB. You want to use AFP. There's a lot, as we mentioned earlier in the show. There's a lot of things that Time Machine does that are very Apple specific, and you want it to be using as much Apple well, stuff. Um, what? The the thing is, Dave, uh, I will I, I will argue that you can't do time machine to an SMB volume. That, that's that. I believe that's true. I, I, Cause I tried, yeah, I, I, I tried yeah. really hard. There are articles that tell you how to get into the, uh, uh, in the terminal right. to try to point to, uh, I, I think there's, there is a way to do it if you replace some of the guts of the OS, but I, I would strongly yeah. discourage you from doing this. And Why the thing bother? is, even if you go, yeah. and the thing is, even if you go into Time Machine, and you look at the disks that are available for Time Machine, if you hover over them, you're going to see AFP colon slash slash. Time Machine really, really, really wants to use AFP. And it so I, I would not force the issue. I, I, and I'm 100% with you. And even um, even on your Synology, if, if you've got SMB enabled on your NAS, and for whatever reason, your Mac and your Synology decide to negotiate AFP, it's not the worst thing in the world. Mine, I realized that mine from most of my Macs is doing AFP, and I can completely saturate my gigabit Ethernet pipe with my you know three-year-old Synology unit, um, transferring data between it and my Mac. So it, you know, it, yes, with smaller files, it's potentially a little less efficient uh, because there's a lot more data going back and forth. But your Synology is on your local network. You know, latency is not a huge issue. So I, I, I guess what I want to say is don't overly sweat it. If you like to have fun with network stuff, absolutely dig in. But if you don't care and you simply were following our advice, which is not a bad thing in most cases, um, we're going to walk that back a little bit and say don't sweat it. Just let it do what it's doing unless you're having a problem. And uh, I think that'll I think that covers it. Right, John? Pretty much. I'm not. I I think I turned it on, and I. Yeah, the 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 computer, the client, uh, uh, OS ten client tends to make the right choice as far as a network connection. Right. So. Right. Right. Let it do its job. Yeah. Let it do its job. Yeah. It knows what it's doing. I mean, I did try a little bit. I mean, you can go in the you know connect to server dialogue, and you can force the protocol. You can say AFP colon 
or yeah. SMB colon. Yeah. And yeah, if, if you want to try that and it works, then, then you know, good for you. <laughs> right, right. Oh, hang on. I've got this delay now. Ugh. Yeah. Do anything while you have USB audio running and, uh, you know, could be a real disaster. It's fun yeah, stuff. You should, an- should go analog, man. Well, that's what I do for the most part back in the studio. And, uh, and it works. It actually works quite well. So, But you know what you could do, Dave? If you have problems with your audio or your video or your computer or your Mac or your, your SMB or your AFPs, you know what you can do? What's that? You can send an email to feedback at MacGeekGab.com and, and they'll help you. Did you say feedback at MacGeekGab.com? That's what I said earlier in the show. Uh, I'm pretty sure I said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. I'm sure you did. I have no doubt about it. Uh, premium at MacGeekGab.com is the address that all of you that are premium supporters and subscribers can send your uh, email into. And we do prioritize those and check them out ahead of time. We do try to get to everything, and most weeks we succeed. In fact, I would say probably 51 and a half weeks out of the year we succeed. But uh, but the premium stuff definitely gets the nod. If you want to learn more about premium, visit MacGeekGab.com. And, uh, and you can check it all out right there, too. Those of you that are premium listeners that have qualified for that gift recently, some of you have started rece- receiving them. They shipped out. Uh, they began shipping last week. I believe the last of them will ship out this week. So, uh, so I hope you enjoy. I hope they all make it safely. Uh, and if, but if they don't, let us know. We'll take care of you. And uh, it'll be good. It's a, it's a, it's a very, uh, this one's a special one. They're all special. But, uh, I got mine. This one's a special one. You did awesome. I haven't I was gotten mine surprised. yet. Surprised. It's it's two. T- it's like two or three towns over from me. The oh, place that the that where they sent it out from. That's awesome. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, nice. Local local uh, outfit, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. 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 All right. So that's uh, that's how you email us. Two zero six 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 geek is the number to call. And John Geek is four three three five. And you can check us out this week on Facebook, facebook.com. Uh, well, actually, go to macgeekgab.com slash Facebook. That will direct you to the right place for the Facebook group. Uh, it gets a little crazy trying to navigate Facebook's waters. So macgeekgab.com slash Facebook is the place to go. And uh, and you can follow me this week on Twitter at Dave Hamilton. If you want to see anything I might be posting from NAB, you can follow John on Twitter at John F. Braun to see anything he might be posting from home. And, of course, Matt Geekab on Twitter is Matt Geekab. Check it all out. Anything else to uh, to add before we start wrapping this one up, John? Yeah, I think we're good. Okay. Uh, yeah, we should wrap it up because I'm about to, uh, I think, have a, 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 a sneezing fit or a, a disgusting mucus event. So. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with Don McAllister and Chuck Joyner, and we're going to go try on Apple Watches at the uh, Caesars Forum shops here. So. Oh, sweet. Yeah. All right. Uh, even though I already ordered mine. I had to hedge my bets because I wanted to get it on the 24th. So I ordered the the black sport model, but I'm going to go try some on it just to see what the experience is like. Should be fun. Uh, if you if you if you are at all interested in an Apple Watch, I've seen that appointments are quite plentiful. My family made appointments yesterday after I left for the airport and was able to try them on. I think before I even got to the airport. So it, there's quite a bit of availability where we have checked. So check it out and. Um, and, uh, and let us know what you think. I'm curious. I'm really interested to see what happens with this watch. I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm not, I'm not blindly sold on it. So, but I wasn't blindly sold on the iPad, and 
Good luck taking that for, away from me. All right. Uh, let's see. We want to, of course, thank Michael Johnston from the iOS Show podcast for converting this with all the chapters and adding all the links and all of that good stuff. Uh, also want to thank you, Michael. Uh, also want to thank the folks at Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com for all the bandwidth that it takes to get uh, the show from us to you. And without our sponsors, uh, we would uh, not be able to do as much as we do. Them, and, They and you are uh, the reason that we get to keep doing what we do here for you each and every week. And we're happy to do it. Uh, so I want to thank our sponsors, Linda at LYNDA.com slash MGG. Gazelle, of course, at gazelle.com. Smile at smilesoftware.com. iMazing at iMazing.com. And MGG gets you 20% off there. Squarespace.com, of course. MGG gets you 10% off there. And it wouldn't be the same if I didn't say thank you to all of you because, uh, as I said, we really can't do this without all of you. And uh, those of you that send in questions, those of you that uh, interact with us, and then those of you that are able to support us on the premium side. We really, really appreciate all of it. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. Thanks for uh, bearing with me this morning with all the bandwidth. Thanks for everybody in the chat room. MacGeekUp.com slash stream. John, have a fantastic week, my friend. Uh, I believe our next show is Sunday morning, but uh, we'll check on that. And in the yeah, end, Dave, you're in Vegas. Yeah, that's uh, right. And I, and I think when you're in Vegas, there's there's some something you really really need to keep in mind, right? Oh, oh uh, what, what's that, John? I I'm, I'm not sure what you're getting at here. <laughs> uh, Dave, don't get caught. Made up.